0: The Creative Relay is recorded, mixed and mastered at Smith and Western Studios. If you want to improve the quality of your podcast or start a podcast of your own, go to smithandwestern.com.au and get your first episode produced for free. <laughs> I'm Paul Dunn, and welcome to the second series of The Creative Relay, the podcast where Australia's most inspiring creatives talk to the creatives that most inspire them. Brought to you by Smith & Weston. Today, we're firing the starter's pistol on a new relay. And what better way to start this cavalcade of creative talent than with a rising star of the industry, Barbara Humphreys from the Monkeys Sydney. Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. So... Barbara Humphreys, welcome to Series Two of the Creative Relay.
1: Thank you,
0: Paul. Uh Welcome. Uh, Thank it's you. really awesome to to get you in here, and to have a chat about because I think you're at a really interesting point in your career, um, having what in the last six months or so being named as a creative director at the Monkeys. Yeah,
1: a year ago, Sydney. about a year ago. It's a year quick. now, is it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: And tell me, what actually prompted that? promotion, do you think? Well, how did you how did you achieve that?
1: Um, it was sort of before that, I, you know, um, sort of put my hand up for wanting to take on more responsibility. I was looking after one or two um, clients, a lot more um, hands-on with a bit more autonomy, but I really wanted to take that next step. And there's a um, creative leadership course run by um, Comms Council and Award. Yeah. Uh, Brilliant three day intensive. It's the first time they'd, um, first time they'd done this. It's now running again this year. And it was, um, threes, three days intensive run by different incredible people in the industry. Warren Brown, uh, ran this one. Uh, there was also different people each day. There was Ben Welsh, Nancy Hartley. Uh, Scott was also there and it was just fantastic insight into the different aspects of the role. So there's obviously, you know, trying to get the best creative work. Uh, then there's, you know, the, the context around the business side of things, managing people, all that sort of thing that, that you need a bit more information on and, and, I think some of the more fun uh, sessions were about all the unexpected stuff that comes out of nowhere yeah. that you would otherwise never expect is going to happen is the stuff that happens. So that was really interesting as well. But it was invaluable. I mean, there's the, there's all this fantastic advice and the one thing that just kept being reiterated over and over, you know, um, Ben, Simon Langley, so many different people would say, I wish that I'd had the opportunity to do something like this when I was at that stage in my career as well, because there's there's some things you only learn on the job. And to have that kind of cumulative knowledge from, you know, some of the industry's best and and brightest.
0: Just to have the opportunity to do that when it's not information you're getting from someone who's your boss Mm -hmm. is really great. Yeah. Uh, because if they're your boss, I think it comes with a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah. But to get that kind of guidance from people who are removed from your day-to-day is really awesome, I think.
1: It was really great. And you also end up with a lot of empathy for your boss and realise that, right. you know, because they're often reiterating a lot of the same things. That's so, probably why they
0: send you to these yeah, courses. Yeah,
1: it's, it's good. It's really smart. But they have had something like, uh, found out recently, like 33% of people being promoted up in some capacity from all of the different courses that they've run so far. Right. So that so that was definitely a factor. And I think straight afterwards I you know, it made me more determined and more interested in the
0: role even than before. Oh, so it didn't turn you off? No, no. <laughs> That's good. So tell me the, having done that course and then starting as a creative director, yeah. how true was everything they taught you and talked to you about? How relevant?
1: Oh, very. Yeah? Like to the point where, you know, I kind of, things happen every day and I go, oh my gosh, they did. This was day two. Also, your day to day is so much more, more, um, what's the word? Like, I guess, you you go from being sort of, I guess, free thinking and having this mental space to really kind of get involved in a bit of work and kind of mull it over and really sort of get absorbed in a project to actually being somewhat detached and having to kind of like look at something very quickly, move off, look at something else very quickly and, and, and you know, still feel like you're you're helping to shape and make sure the work's moving in the right direction, but you just don't get that mental space. And uh-huh. I think one of the first things that that I noticed about some of the other people was just your days are constantly talking and and interacting. And, you know, I'm I'm not naturally an extrovert. So it's kind of like, I just, sometimes I felt like I just, you know, wanted a bit of time out just to have silence for five minutes, because you just take that for granted, I think, as a creative, that, that kind of, that space to just really enjoy a project, to go off and think about something. And, yeah, so, I mean, that's also like we were really busy at the time too. There was lots of stuff going right. on and, mm-hmm. you know, Scotty and I were both kind of looking after about – um you know, four clients at that time from not looking after any to, um, or one, maybe one or two to actually taking on formally about four. So.
0: And so how do you think you're adapting overall? I think learning every
1: day. Absolutely. Mm. And still looking back to that course and going, gosh, that was really, really helpful. And to the point where if they ever, you know, did an extension to it, I would do it. But, I think picking up some things, uh, you know, I'm really enjoying and some things I think I still need to kind of keep learning. But
0: What's your favourite part then?
1: Favourite part is definitely, um, I guess, having a bit more responsibility and autonomy to kind of step back and see longer term and see kind of the the longer kind of context around a job and to be able to influence that a bit more than you can when you're working directly on the work.
0: On just one project. On one project, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, And sort of having that perspective in that relationship with the client where you understand a bit more about where they're coming from their business and their point of view which I think is really helpful um, and it helps the work it helps it helps everything but also I think probably on a day-to-day level just sort of catching up with the teams and seeing something that is so unexpected because yeah. you have had that distance and being surprised and just seeing something that's you really love and are really excited by, really it. And delightful. I think, yeah, and and that hasn't hasn't gotten old at all. I love that, and yeah. I think, just being able to, like, yeah, having that space from it to to be surprised every time is, is great.
0: So, as you're going through on your day to day kind of creative direction, are you channeling anyone? Is is there someone that you've worked for in the past that you've gone? that was a really awesome creative director and that person really helped me and I'm going to try and be like that.
1: Um, Yeah, it's funny. Um, I, I don't know if other people think the same, but for me I feel like everybody that I've worked with or had the privilege to learn from, I've tried to sort of take the best or try and remember at least the best things or the things that I felt were really helpful and the things that I really admired about them and try and take some of that on. And so... For different things, I think um, there's elements of different people, people. over the years. There's a little you potpourri. Yeah, right. yeah, but um, not not probably not any one particular person. But I think one of the great things is so everybody has their different styles and and they're all good for different reasons. You know, you have people, I guess, who are much more kind of you know, enthusiastic and energetic and and some people who are much more thoughtful and reflective.
0: How and do you think people how do you think the teams would describe you? Oh what God. sort of category would they put I, you in? Annoying probably.
1: <laughs> I I'm sure know. that's not like, the case. I don't know. I couldn't answer Really?
0: Yeah. Okay. So um I guess the the work that you're probably most noted for would be the MLA work. Probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think but yeah. there's, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you've worked on and, like, really big clients, Ikea, Cadbury's, yeah. Paul's, uh, Yellow Glen. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, very kind of big, serious brands amongst that. Do you think you could characterise your work in any way?
1: Um, no, I mean, I try to make sure that it's really diverse and I try not to have a particular style to the work because I think any project or client that I've worked on um, you know, it's about that brand and what they're about and trying to create something that feels right for them. Mm-hmm. And I think whatever that project might be or that particular challenge, uh, you know, I want it to feel like it's the right thing executionally, tonally, you know, for that particular, for that particular project and that brand. Um, and so, you know, I think they feel, when I look at it, I think they feel really disjointed and and but but in a good way you know because i think that, like i like that about it you know and i like um being able to jump from something that's that's you know comedy and humor into something that's more thoughtful and um you know i think i really enjoyed the the difference between sort of retail and clients like ikea where there's with sort of a design story there but also a really great sort of personality mm. to the brand um to sort of working on things like Sydney Uni, where you're sort of dealing with um, academia and and trying to kind of talk about topical issues in that way. I I would agree. um,
0: I think that there is a a beautiful diversity in in your work. My observation of it was, uh, to me, it seems quite populist in a way, and I mean that in a really complimentary way, I, I just think it would have just such broad appeal to a lot of people. Um, and I think that's a really hard thing to tap into. Yeah. And I think a lot of your work just makes it look pretty easy.
1: Oh, right. Well, that's a, I mean, that's a compliment and and the populist, I think, is also a compliment because I would try, you know, I think rather than just talking to a select few people, you know, the, the idea that, you know you hear from your mom or someone that said to her, oh, I saw that thing and I really liked it, you know, because it, I guess we're trying not to create ideas in a bubble and talking to ourselves. We're trying to create something that, that resonates out in the real world. So, you know, that's definitely something I've really hoped yeah. would um, that I could get through with my work and that's something I've always aimed for. So,
0: What's your favourite thing you've done? So far.
1: Um, probably my favourite was the Diversity Project for Lamb.
0: Hi, I'm Luke Jacobs with a Z,
1: and I'm here to address concerns that too many perky white males are contributing to a lack of diversity on our screens.
0: We couldn't agree more. Hey, Sakura. Hey, Mustafa. So we're getting together over the ultimate cross-cultural protein to help put this right. <sighs> We've got everyone in the room. Well, technically, it's not a room. Hey! Let's not be spaces. Exactly. (laughs) Hey, Dad. Shh. Sorry. We've got all the stands. We've got Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan,
1: Turkmenistan, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and this guy, Stan. That was a really great and fun project, and it sort of felt very timely, too. It's a great brief to get. Uh, for lamb and always lamb's about bringing people together, but came about at a time where we were noticing that there was a lot of, I guess, less inclusive kind of messages and conversation out there. There was a lot of talk about, um, the lack of, um, diversity that we're seeing in our mainstream media in Australia. You're seeing a lot of, a lot of shiny white people, but not a lot of accurate representation of what Australia really looks like. Yeah. You know, if you go anywhere in this country, it's just not, it's not usually reflected in our, in our advertising and our, TV shows, it's just absent. And so we sort of wanted to do something about that, um, you know, using the the medium itself. And then also at the same time there's there was a bit of conversation going on and a horrible sort of sense of, of the nastier side of Australia, like we had right. Pauline Hanson talking about how we're in danger of being swamped by Muslims and propagating this this fear and this kind of suspicion. And, it, you know, it's kind of, a, you know, it was a really sort of horrible Feeling, you know, when you think of Australia as being generous and inclusive. And so we wanted to, to sort of try and address that in a way, if we could. And I guess the only, the way at our disposal was, you know, to do it in a kind of a reverent way that feels suitable for lamb. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to write and, and, and work on. And we had brilliant people involved. We were fantastically lucky to get Greg Inglis, Kathy Freeman, um, and Arkadas, who was the presenter, who was just amazing, brilliantly talented. Right. Um, so that was fun. And, and even in the casting, you know, we were trying to be as authentic as possible. So we had, um, we had things like wardrobe fittings where we'd be sitting there and waiting for all our cast to turn up. We'd be sitting at plaza and someone would come in and there'd be a door knock and there was a Mormon at the door and he'd say, hi, I'm, I'm the Mormon. I'm here for my wardrobe. But he was just, you know, wardrobe perfect Mormon. <laughs> so we kind of go, well, you, you can, you're, you're good. Um, Hari Krishna, you know, turned up. It was quite surreal having, having the casting and the, the wardrobe and seeing all the people come through, but.
0: Did you get, did, was, what was the, uh, any uh, negative comment, commentary? Yeah, it,
1: it got a really fantastic response, really great feedback from, um, lots of people. There were a couple of, couple of exceptions. It actually, uh, it, overwhelmingly positive, but there was some complaints to the ASB. Um, made that it was offensive and racist to white people, um, which we found pretty funny at the time. Um, but actually, they have to, you know, take these things pretty seriously. So it was great to read the response back from them um, once they finally overruled that. But that, that was, uh, that was interesting. I think you try and include everybody and then invariably there's always going to be somebody who finds, who takes offence. Right. But it was a really great uh, atmosphere on set. It was a really fun shoot. Paul did um, did an incredible job of bringing that all together and capturing it all in one take.
0: Oh, It's, it's an amazing lovely. production. Um I mean, I found it difficult to believe that that was one take.
1: Oh, God, it absolutely was. So, yeah. I, the, there was, um, you know, the, the tree with the transition, it was all there in camera. And I wow. think...
0: You know, when we look. How many takes did you, how many goes? I
1: think it was like 17 or 18, the one that we used, but it was absolutely the most stressful shoot of all time because you've got, you know, weather changing. You've got all these people, not all of them are actors or, you know, just trying to hit their marks. Yeah, Yeah. and, you know, hats off to Paul Middleditch because he's just brilliant and he, you know, he had everything nutted out and he sort of, even when it was still a bit kind of rough around the edges and, People were making mistakes and, you know, the clouds are coming in. You know, he know he's <laughs> just got absolute faith and so much energy. And I yeah. think it was just as, as terrifying as it is trying to pull off something like that. The energy when we, when we got the take and everybody on set could feel it. You yeah. Know, you right. Just, Isn't that awesome? It was amazing. It was just. Yeah. Cause what, how, incredible. how big a cast
0: would that, would that have been? I think remember? it was
1: like 150 extras yeah, right. and then their main kind of core, core cast. Yeah. Oh,
0: that must have been a real. It place. Was,
1: fantastic. But it was just, I remember kind of seeing all these people up on the hill and just going, oh my God, I hope this, what have I all done? these people <laughs> that are freezing up there. I hope, this, <laughs> I hope they're like this. Where and, did you shoot it? Um So it's at Little Bay. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: At the, at the golf course. At the golf course. Golf course. course. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you sort
1: of wanted somewhere that would feel like kind of, you know, the edge of the country. And this is like the whole, you know, just something that kind of summed up the, the epicness of Australia as a, as a, as an island. And I think it had that it had that kind of
0: Oh, it really space, did. Great, great job, great job. So, do you want to give us just a, a a rundown of how you got into advertising and what sort of drove you into it?
1: Yeah. Um, so, I studied graphic design, um, and I moved up from um, moved up from Melbourne. So that's where I'm where I'm from. Moved up after my degree, and actually got a job in healthcare advertising. It was a through a friend so I was an art director junior art director at a place in Ultimo uh and I had my own office this is the first time I've ever the first and only time I've ever had my own office and it was amazing and well, I was thought, that your first job it was my first job yeah was incredible you thought, wow. skyline <laughs> view amazing yeah.
0: don't get used to it Barbara no
1: yeah. no and so it was so it was yeah great I mean I was um I was working with a um, you know really funny senior team, and you know they'd drop stick their heads in round the around the door and kind of go how how are you going with your layouts and I'd be sort of pencilling away at these layouts and I learned kind of the the ins and outs of layouts and you know i i guess basically like print ad one o one yeah um for healthcare advertising, but it's very different sort of obviously really different everything was in metaphors, and you know you were either talking about. I don't know reflux, or we were talking about all weird sort of thing. I mean, we did, they did ads for like erectile dysfunction things, and all these sorts of things. So we're, we, you know, talking in weird symbolism and stuff like that. So that was kind of my my my, um, my first, yeah, yeah. I was straight into it, and then after a while, um, through a friend, um, I found out about a job going at uh, at Vogue magazines um, for a, an art director, sort of within their kind of advertorial side of things. So mm-hmm. it was working on. um You know, everything from, I guess, like four or five-page features that were kind of branded but meant to feel like the editorial. So it was kind of – it was art direction but it was definitely publishing. So after a while of that, I kind of like, oh, this is just – I mean, it's quite – you're working to a template. Yeah. It was fashion magazines. I mean, very different from the medical advertising. But, like, I kind of got
0: But what did it teach you? It obviously obviously taught you that you – even even health advertising—that advertising was more of a pull for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the the freedom of just that the blank page was right. was really. I mean, I love that. I love coming into work in my in my little office with the with the you know pad of paper and. Just sitting down and, and coming up with ideas and and I missed that in publishing. Yeah, um, it just felt really restrictive. And the
0: you were just moving things around a page, just moving
1: actually. things around a grid, really. And sort of art directing shoots. I mean, it was great experience for art directing shoots. I did do a lot more of that there. Um, and then, so I sort of I was starting to find out about a bit more about award school and things like that. And so, um, and because I was sort of living in. Sydney as a, I was really broke and it was a time when it wasn't great for young people in Sydney. There weren't a lot of, you know, pubs and fun things for people to do. It was like, uh, quite, it was, it was not the same city that it is today, I, I don't right. think. So. And I went back to Melbourne where I felt like it was a bit friendlier and a bit more fun to be, to be, uh, young and broke. And, um, I went back there and I um, got a job at a design company. I started doing award school and then I got hired, um, out of a school by, by the company where my tutors were so that was a place called Spinach in Melbourne mm-hmm. where I spent about I think about six months before I hadn't at this stage I was like oh, I want to go travelling and so I sort of packed it all in went um, <laughs> took my folio um, with the with the aim of getting work in London but um, I was in for a bit of a rude shock um, going over to London where you know anything that I thought that I'd done in Australia just didn't count for anything because nobody knew the brand nobody could tell if it was scam and you know, they just, they didn't kind of have the time to invest in understanding either. So they're like, it was starting again. So, um, so after traveling, I think it was about six months just sort of backpacking and traveling around Europe. I, um, I landed there, started working in a pub, um, did some D workshops. It was kind of like award school and then got, um, uh, eventually sort of started to build a bit more of a folio and, um, and then kind of started taking that around to different places and had a lot of help from um, from people, I think. And there's some people that just said, You're you're not gonna you've got no chance. You know, there's people who go to Watford and are living with their parents who don't have to pay a cent. You know, they can work for free and do internships. You you can't. Um I think working in the pub, you know, looking back, I think it really taught me um, empathy and, and to um to be curious and take the time to get to know people. people. And just observing how people are in different social social situations, just interacting with people, it was just great in terms of just kind of understanding people. And I, and I realised that that was just, you know, I really loved that. Eventually, um, I found out about uh, an internship scheme that Wyden and Kennedy were running, and they were trying to get people from outside of advertising. They were sort of trying to open it up so that they were getting
0: And you were way outside advertising. Oh, by at that, that point. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I was my background, you know, was obviously I'd worked in advertising, I studied um, graphic design and all that sort of thing. But yeah, I was I was a I was a bitter and, and broke barmaid. So <laughs> um, so so that's how I applied, you know, the, the actual um the actual entry said You know, open to everyone from truck drivers to ballerinas. And so I thought, well, there there it is in writing. So I, um, so I basically, the, the, um, entry mechanic or how you kind of got through to your next round of interviews was to send them an idea in an envelope. So, I mean, that's so broad. Yeah. But it's great. So what did you do? So what I did, I, I, you know, agonized it over it for weeks. And then I ended up thinking, well, probably should do something about my situation and my, you know, where I'm at. And so throughout the time in the pub, I'd been thinking, you know, if these beer towels could talk, you know, because all the stories that were sort of told across the bar yeah, and right. some of the things that, that I'd heard. And I'd sort of been writing down some of the things that the regulars had said, you know, quotes and things like that. So because it was sort of my home at the time, it's just kind of unusual. But I, um, I got some um, beer towels and they were clean ones. And I made them into cushions, like, because it, you know, it was kind of a, that was kind of my home and I thought cushions are kind of homely things. And I embroidered the quotes of some of the regulars.
0: Onto the cushions? In,
1: onto the cushions themselves with embroidery thread and, and, um, yes. Good lord, and, how
0: long did that take you? Um,
1: <laughs> Probably that was probably about two weeks. Yeah, right. I think okay. yeah. I mean my embroidery is really terrible. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. Question okay. maybe but as long as it's legible. Yeah, right. So, um so yeah, I sent those in and with a bit of a, a bit of information and then I got right into a, a you know, got accepted into first round of interviews and then second round of interviews, which is sort of a day of sort of workshops where you're working in groups with all these different people, and I realized wow. Yeah, there were a lot more um you know, there, there were people from all different backgrounds, but there were also people who were really just like me, just trying to get my foot in the door. Yeah, right. There was, you know, and I think the four. So that a I, lot
0: of, a lot of people, but
1: I heard it was like a thousand or something like that. Like, like that's idea and envelope yeah, sort right. of thing.
0: And then, in the, and then in that second round, when you had to go and be friends with people in these groups, yeah, yeah, how many people are we talking? Oh, there? so
1: you, you, ultimately they took four people, so they'd, they'd already got taken one group already, so they had right. four already signed on, right? And so I kind of got um, selected for the next slot. So they were going to do this in sort of three month, three month blocks. So right. I kind of got into the second one that they were doing. So I guess the nice thing about that is I get to sort of watch. How the first group are going and how they're finding it and stuff like that so so yeah, I got through for that second block, and there were three other people in my group and they're um, they're fantastic one of them's still at widens today, Sophie who's a creative director. Um, and two guys called Ben, um, one who's now, um, at, uh, 72 in Amsterdam and another guy who's a fantastic editor and director. But, um, interestingly, I had a lot of. What a fantastic good, start for, oh, for it was, four people. It was great. It was brilliant. It was the best time I think I've ever had in advertising
0: because. And how long was the internship for? Uh, so it was three
1: months and right. then they extended and then they kept us on and then they, um, hired us. So we all sort of stayed on and, Started getting a proper, proper salary, which was brilliant. So you
0: were getting some money in that three. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of a,
1: it was kind of a, you know, a a placement kind of salary. So it was good. It was enough to kind of, you know, get me out of the pub and into a sharehouse in Shoreditch and, you know, starting what would be, I guess, a normal. Kind of, you know, advertising. And so, beginning. how
0: long had you been in London when you finally uh, uh, when you finally got? Well, how long since you yeah, left
1: home? I reckon. I mean, this was the trouble. I was getting to the end of my my visa because you only got two years. So, it was probably about. It might have been something like nine months. My right. yeah, I can't remember. I mean, the time just. Yeah, it.
0: it yeah, it's possibly tough, about that. That's a yeah. tough slog.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was on the verge of giving up so many times because it just felt like impossible, an impossible task. And, you know, and I'd I'd taken my folio to see teams at Widens and other agencies. And I was just, just like, keep working on this. Keep, you know, keep doing that. And, and, you know, great feedback, but it's a, it's a really long, long slog. I don't know if it's better or worse these days, but, um, but yeah, it was just, I think what, what happens is when you actually get your foot in the door and you get that break, just you appreciate it so so much. Yeah. And you you just, you know, especially I think for having nearly quit so many times and given up on it all, yeah. it just made it so much more rewarding.
0: That's a really inspiring story, I reckon. It's just such a lovely story and such a lovely idea about embroidering uh, those quotes on your cushions.
1: It was one of those things where I thought I've got nothing, you know, I've got nothing to lose and I am just don't know what else to do but this, so I'm going to give it a go. But I think one of the great things about Widens is they're just you know, they're, they're so open to different ways of looking at things and different ways of telling stories. And so, you know, there were a lot of – I heard about a lot of other fantastic ideas that people did as well, but they are all so different. And then once people are in there and working and kind of getting to work on different projects, you know, it's just a really fantastic atmosphere to learn in.
0: So when you went into that second round, what do you think they were looking for then?
1: Oh, I think can we let this person into our building? Right, are they clean? Number one, (laughs) yeah. Can they hold a conversation? Can they follow instructions? You know, all all that basic, you know, this is a bit of HR stuff, but also, like, can they work in a group scenario? Can they come up with ideas on their own together?
0: Were there some people on that day and you looked around the room and you thought, there's no way in the world they're getting any further were there some really weird people
1: i i don't even i, I don't remember i mean yeah no, i mean just a, i just think i was also just terribly you know petrified and competitive and if anything i was I was petrified kind of,
0: and competitive
1: yeah and just sort of looking around and kind of just say other people doing better at this group task than i am and all, you know all that sort of thing i think it's 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 like a really intense you know job or interview or audition you know yeah and, totally and, from what my group are like, I think most people who, first of all, knew who Wyden and Kennedy were. Second of all, right, were going after this. You know, that there already was a bit of an awareness of what they were yeah, trying right. to get into and why they were why they were going to that trouble. So I think everybody was, you know, possibly there were a lot of other people in my situation who were like, this is my shot. You know, I'm yeah, going to sneak in guy. as a um as a ventriloquist or whatever. I don't I don't know. But so I'd love to know. Um, there's um. There's a lovely guy called Darren Wright who's at Clemenger at the moment who was there at the time and he was one of the mentors of this scheme and now he's out here working at um, working at Clemenger and I'd love to ask him if there were any kind of nightmare or
0: really interesting stories out yeah, of those that, groups because
1: yeah. they they had a lot of them and they continued it on for
0: for a while it's too, a that, It's a sensational program, I've got to say. It it's sounds really just good. so wonderful. Yeah,
1: it was fantastic for us. I mean we were was all sort of really close yeah. at the time you know, so eager to get into some projects. And I think everyone there was so wonderful to us. You know, we worked on the Lurpak pitch. Um, there was the Guardian pitch going on at the same time. We worked on Nike projects. We worked on your call. We, we got access to everything. And it was at this really fantastic time where they hadn't grown super big at the time. They hadn't won Nokia and, and clients like that, that that really expand their numbers. So it was just small enough and, yeah. and that you got access to everybody and you yeah. could talk to everybody and Tony and Kim were really hands-on and they spent a lot of time with us and and they're just brilliant. I mean, they're the two of the most inspiring people I've ever met in my
0: career. and So who were Tony and Kim?
1: Just Tony to and Kim were the um, ECDs at, at Wydens London at the time. And they'd come from BBH and done a lot of really fantastic work for Levi's and things like that. And they just were so, they had so much energy and they were, they, you know, they were um, part of the drivers of get, having this scheme in the first place of just not getting that cookie cutter advertising creative who was just, you know, working to a sort of formula or a house style. They really were all about shaking things up and, you know i think possibly that that sense of you know trying to do things differently each time for different clients is something that i've kind of learned or well, hope to learn from there yeah. um because they were absolutely about you know never kind of repeating something that they'd done before and and always trying to kind of break new ground and do something different and relevant for
0: it's funny though cuz like the 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 motivation behind what they're doing sound sounds awesome mm. And just trying to avoid that, like you say, that cookie cutter approach. But it just makes you wonder if they're just getting a different type of cookie cutter, in a way, because they're just getting these sorts of people who are
1: possibly like
0: you, just so oh, desperate to get mm. in, and so determined and so resilient. Yeah, but it's still a type, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely, and and um, you know, and and. Companies with names like that attract people yeah. who who know about them. But I think it's one of the big challenges for um for the industry is how do you find those people yeah, right. that think really really differently, and how do you how do you you know if they're not coming to you, how do you get to them, and how do you seek them out and hire them, and make sure that they can flourish, and you know you can you can see them do their best, you know contribute um, in that situation. Because I think you know you, you do. See the people come through and they're really keen and they're really diligent and they're competent and they can do things. But you have to find ways to, to find and, and bring in that craziness and that kind of, oh, maybe that's not kind of the best thing to say in front of a client. But, you know, people who are not afraid to speak their mind yeah. and be their own person. And, you know, that's not always going to be, I guess, office friendly or, or, you know, you're in the business of creativity and you get, so, you know, by, by kind of making sure that, that that energy and that sense of different skills and personalities it is a
0: little become, bit of chaos. Yeah, good. I know, yeah, it's really a, a good. little bit of weirdness. Yeah, I think we have lost that quite a lot. I think we've become much more conservative. Yeah. I mean, Cam Blackley was talking about uh, the, the people that he had uh, attracted into BMF. And he said, you know, he'd he'd, had, he'd got people in that had never worked in advertising mm. before. Mm. And they may have even been older people but mm. just with a, a really different perspective, which mm. can be quite unsettling mm. f- for a lot of people but it just really mixes things up a bit. Yeah. It probably should be a lot more of it. I think so.
1: It's hard to, I think, control and maintain that right balance of just the right amount of craziness and just the right amount of, you know, much more um, manageable or, um, I'm going to say office friendly, but client friendly, yeah, or whatever what that mean, might yeah. be. But that balance and that mix. So, I mean, creating, um, making sure there's enough energy and spontaneity and, and boldness and, and wrongness sometimes Yeah, balanced out with all the other. Yep. That's right. That's, that'll work all that sort of thing. And I think it's really hard to get that right mix. But I mean, that's, I think part of the, the job in, um, In being, um, yeah, in creating those departments. I think think you've
0: got a fascinating perspective on that and I I think it, it must come from that experience in London. I noticed that you do do a lot of work in training younger creatives. There's a program for high school girls. Oh,
1: yeah, Creatable. That's, um, so that's with Finch and that's something they've set up to right. help um, high school age girls and, and kind of encouraging them into, um, creativity and technology. Um, because it's not uh, not necessarily a, an area that they've seen a lot of numbers of girls going in, so it's getting getting um, th- that sort of training and that awareness to girls at school age, so it's actually on their radar Very of nice. potential career and a potential um, source of enjoyment and passion. In terms, so what's of been work. your
0: involvement in that?
1: I'm running a couple of classes yeah. for them. So and that, how's yeah, that gone? It was good. It was really good. I mean. It's, so, gosh, it was so weird being back at a school. I got flashbacks to you know homework and deadlines and all those sorts of things. But <laughs> so it was really. But, so that was fun. But um,
0: and so the schools that you, the the classes that you went to, what sort of schools did you go to? did you?
1: Um, it was Saint Scholastica, yeah, okay. yeah, girls' school in um, in Glebe.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, and the students were fantastic, and so I'd kind of had a bit of a background on where they were at and what they were doing and so I was kind of going in there to sort of help them with ideation and pitching a concept. They'd been working on a sort of creative tech idea um, with Greg from um, from Finch and they'd sort of been sort of partway through their project but they hadn't sort of, I guess, um packaged it up or kind of worked out sort of how they were going to, I guess, sell it. And so it was sort of a bit of help with them with sort of identifying, you know, what the need for that particular project might be. You know, is there a name for it, how they're going to, um, you know, I guess – P- Pitch to say potential investors or something like that, and and, and this is all obviously very basic concept, like yeah. top line sort of stuff, but just sort of helping them. And and it was really fantastic to go around the room and see all the things they they were working on. You know, they were they had some brilliant ideas, and it was just this incredible room full of little entrepreneurs. I don't say little. They gosh, they were like, you know, they're, they're high school girls, but they were so brilliant and they had such great ideas. And I think going around and seeing their thinking and they'd kind of. They'd worked out all these different things of how they were going to make it and how they were going to make it feel, um, you know, more user friendly. And, you know, they had great names for things. So, yeah, I think I've learned more out of that session than they did, to be honest. Oh, that's just, awesome. Just, and felt so encouraged that, that, you know, the, these girls have just got so much grasp on that world, um, you know, compared to what I had access to when I was at high school. Yeah. I just think, it's just really brilliant and i think the more that that um that finch and the like are able to help help grow that and teach that at at that level it's it's just fantastic yeah because i think a lot of the reason that that women are staying away from careers like that is just fear of the unknown and and there was um there was uh something that um that greg said to me with these this um and it, he said it's, it could be this age but he said these the girls are often kind of quite they're quite afraid of doing the wrong thing and they want to, they want to do something if they know they can do it well and they don't want to make a mistake with it. And they're very careful about it's that. The
0: fear of failure. The
1: fear of failure. And he said he's really trying to drill that out of them. And, and I, I thought, gosh, that's, you know, right down to the point where they won't put pen to paper. They'll do pencil first and they're really cautious about it, you know, because they just don't want to get it wrong. And, and I thought, God, that's terrible. Um, I mean, Great that, they're that. They, care, they care that much, but it's quite oppressive, and yeah. you know, especially in terms of creativity, you've got to make mistakes. You've got to make many, many, many mistakes to get to something really interesting. And so, he said that he'd been sort of doing a lot of work with them to help free their thinking up and just let go of that kind of rigidness around creativity because you can't you can't create if you're and terrified did you, of. Did making you get the feeling that step. you,
0: you helped them with that?
1: I hope so. I mean, they invited me back to do another oh, well, one. There you go. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> a good I mean, I, I, yeah. And I guess I sort of talked to them, like Greg asked me to kind of talk through a bit of some of the things that, that I'd been doing and how I got to where I was. And, you know, there's obviously failure and missteps the whole way and all that sort of thing. And, and I think that sort of thing makes you stronger. And it makes you more determined and It makes you work out what you really want and, um, makes you sort of strategize ways of, of getting it. And it makes you resilient. So, mm. you know, I, I guess I was trying to. Reassure them by, by example that, you know, even if you start, um, a career or start a course and change your mind or go do something else. I mean, you know, what is the stat about how, how often people change jobs? It's, and careers, it's, um, I think it's a really good thing. And I think it's much better to be able to identify when you're in the wrong place or you've got the wrong, you know, you, you've, you're actually, you, you were wrong about something, but identify it quickly and take steps to do something else.
0: Where do you think, and uh, where do you look for your inspiration and where you want to take your career?
1: Gosh. Um, yeah, interesting. So I, I think I've always tried to be a bit flexible and fluid with where I want to go. And it's more about the, um, the type of culture and the type of people that are there necessarily rather than a name or, uh, that sort of Cause thing. Cause
0: how long have you been at the monkeys for now? Is it uh, five, five years? Five years. Yeah. yeah right. About that.
1: Yeah. So one year as a CD, and then four yeah. before that. But yeah, it's—I mean, it's brilliant to see the change, you know, in five years. So much has happened, and it's felt like a lot of different places over the over the years. But it's always been great, and they've had so many fantastic people working there that, yeah, you know, it's always every you know every year I'm kind of, like, it's still still great. It's yeah. we're still doing exciting stuff.
0: Well, no, I mean, if you're going to stay in a place, I mean, make it a a, a place that's worth staying. I guess, and it certainly seems to be that
1: there's always stuff going on and there's always exciting stuff on the horizon so i think it
0: but do you have a do you have a do you have an idea in your head of what you want to do
1: i've had a couple of thoughts and i have, yeah. I have a, a, a couple of things in mind but i i guess i sort of think there's lots of great examples of women who've had long careers in advertising and creative leadership and had families and done all the things that they wanted to do and had long careers as well, so that's always really inspiring. But is that something you,
0: you think about the the, the family?
1: You have to, and I think it's something that all that I think any female creatives are aware of. And I think this is one of the the challenging things is that it probably doesn't enter your mind so much. As, I mean, I'm speculating; I'm not a male, but as a female, I think you do think about it because because the job, the, the hours are just you know they can be quite intense. I think yeah. the, the the pressure to actually be physically in the building. It's really hard to phone it in. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, the companies are getting better at, at making, mm-hmm. um, offices much more family friendly and, and really working around people's personal situations. And I think that's, we're seeing that change happen now and it's brilliant. And I think there's a lot more that can happen in that space for both men and women. Uh, anything to do with sort of parental leave should be, you know, men should be equally encouraged to take that time. And the more that that's, you know, an an unexpected and a normal thing. The more yeah. the, that it, that that kind of any perceived guilt or shame for taking that time out goes away, because it just becomes something that everybody it is normalised. Everybody does, yeah. yeah. So I think. You know, things like that will help change the landscape and it is starting to change. Yeah. So,
0: so you've, you're, you're factoring all those, um, future yeah. aspects into what yeah. you think you might want to do. Yeah. That's just another layer of complexity yeah, to the whole it is. thing. Isn't it, it is,
1: And I think like when and there's I, there's
0: so many variables.
1: So many variables. And I think, you know, like, one of the great things about, um, working in creative industries is, you know, I guess coming up with ideas and coming up with, Things that could potentially be business ideas or products or things like that. Like there's ways, I think, to, I mean, like Dave and Nathan are great examples of people who've taken, you know, what they know as creatives and and turned it into creating a brand of their own. So, I mean, these
0: are the just for people. Who oh, don't for Hawks,
1: yeah, Hawks Lager. Um,
0: the creators of Hawks. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Dave Gibson and Nathan Lennon, um, great examples of people who've started
0: their own, started their own thing. Um, creativity can take you, uh, you know, there's just so many yeah. avenues. Yeah. But that can almost be a curse, don't you reckon? Because yeah. you go, what do I do
1: with it? Paralyzed by, by options. Yeah. But when I think, like, I've tried to sort of trust my gut a bit about what, what has felt right at the time and what feels like the right thing. And I think one of the things that coming into um, a CD role, I mean, when I was younger, I just didn't even think about, I didn't have that sense of that is exactly what I'm going to be. I just thought it was all about the work for me. And I just want to make great, interesting, you know, bold and memorable work, and yeah. that was that was all I cared about, you know. And then the more that I did the, um, the more that I worked as a creative, the more I realised that you know having a bit of control over some of that process was a good thing for for me and f- and for the work. And then, you know, now that I've started doing this job, I kind of think oh, I'm really enjoying this. Like I, you know, just sort of thinking about what's next. What's but, next? Yeah, and because I, I I really do love it. I mean, it's just great to be able to have that you know to to be involved in so many different fantastic creative things but i think just being working with people and getting to build a team is is really fun and yeah. and so rewarding when you see people that you've sort of worked with and you know some of the some of the work that our younger teams are doing is just brilliant and it's just great seeing that you and know, seeing that, that sense happen of and yeah.
0: contribution to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it may not be that direct. It may just be watching it happen in the same building at the same time. But I just love, you know, I really do love seeing people grow and and get better over time. And it's just it's just wonderful to see, and that inspires me, and that keeps me going as well. You know, when you have a bad day, and then you see somebody have a win on a project, and you know, that's like, yes, I saw you know,
0: sold something. It's it's great. That's know. awesome. That's amazing. You cite as one of your uh, kind of people that you admire is Carlo Molino. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. An Italian. What is he? An architect, architect, photographer, designer, designer, photographer.
1: Yeah, he did a whole bunch of a whole bunch of different things, and yeah, I, I love that idea of never kind of being restricted to one thing. And I think I love that about our work too. You know, you, you're sometimes creating a bit of film, sometimes it's an app, sometimes it might be. You know, something that could lead to a product. It could be a written piece of storytelling. So I've always loved that, and I've always loved the idea of collaborating on different projects. And you know, it's 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 really fun. And I think lots of creatives probably have that same that same sense. Passion, so yeah. yeah, yeah. And I look at like you know people over the years that I've worked with. You know, whether it's Justin and Scott at The Monkeys, um, Micah, they've always had these projects and these things they've been working on. Whether it's film or you know some of um. Just, you know, product innovation and stuff like that. And it's, just, they've always had these things on the go and it's, it's great. You know, I've always kind of loved
0: that. It's, it's really wonderful. I think that's one of the great things about advertising. It does attract those sorts of people whose creativity seems to have a really kind of broad range of expression working within sometimes.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's funny when I was at high school and I was trying to work out, you know, did I, I you know, I was trying to work out, did I want to do art and, be an artist or did I want to pursue graphic design or more commercial um, communications? And you know, my my art teacher at the time was just said if you were going to be an artist, it wouldn't be a question. Because yeah, right.
0: you wouldn't money like doesn't that.
1: matter. You it, you it's not it's not a choice. It's a it's a calling, you know, and you just you're compelled to create art and you don't want to to have to compromise that for for commercial for commercial um yeah. Reasons, and and it was a really good point, and and I think personally, I've always found it. You know, if I'm sat there on my own, it's like you do whatever you want right now. I would, I would be just, I'd sit there and I'd sit there, and you know, I, I kind of need that challenge, and I need that, that direction, direction and problem solving, and I need someone to kind of put down this, you know, a, a mess of a situation on a page and just go. We oh, really need, they really need something great here to help solve this, and they really, you know, they. they They want to get from here to here. And I, you know, then I think my brain starts working. Yeah, right. And I I love, you
0: need that, you need that challenge.
1: Yeah. The jumping off point and, and just that. And I like the problem solving and I like the challenge of it. And then, you know, then I think it's, and then all the other stuff kind of flows around that. But if it was just, you know, open, open brief, I mean, I suppose it's like the idea in the envelope. I mean, I did think about that for, (laughs) for a really, really long time, but, (laughs) but yeah, that's that kind of, yeah it lets me know that you know i wouldn't be i don't think I'd be very productive as an artist full time but but yeah, definitely having those little projects here and there that are just Yours. what you feel like doing and exactly on your own terms is really is really great
0: it's been really really, really fantastic talking to you bub It's been great, and I think do you know for someone who only a year ago has made a creative director, I think your passion for Actually wanting to help people develop is really inspiring. You should be really proud of that.
1: Oh well thank you. That's a very nice thing to a very nice thing to hear.
0: That's a, a really worthy
1: Kind of goal. So maybe I'm still remembering what it's like to be a struggling barmaid. Well, so like... Don't
0: forget. <laughs> don't forget because it's really working for you, Barb. Oh, and thanks. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it really is. And uh, it's a great story. So, listen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for now, having me. You know the drill that we, the next time we meet, there will be someone else in the room with us. Have you any idea? I have. Who that person is? Yeah, I had to think. Can you give us a hint?
1: Um, maybe I've already given you that hint.
0: Very nice. I like it. Barbara (laughs) Humphreys,
1: thank you very much. Thank you very much, Paul. Great talking to you.
0: Thanks for downloading the Creative Relay podcast brought to you by Smith & Weston. Go to our website at thecreativerelay.com, made by our good friends at Macadamia Digital, where you'll find a whole lot more info and extra content about the podcasts and all our guests. I'll be back next time with Barbara and her guest. Meanwhile, don't forget to subscribe, like and rate us. See you next time.